I will not be satisfied until my people's rightful lands are restored and I am bequeathed their rightful principal chief. Liz, dinner's ready. Hold on, Bruce. I'm having a powwow. people we're back in action i'm dave rubin this is the rubin report it is november 27th in the year 2023 we're live streaming on rumble youtube locals all the usual spots if you haven't subscribed please do so and if you want to join us for a chat during the show or a post game show that's rubinreport.locals.com i want to note before we uh, begin today that it is phoenix my producer's birthday and uh, we just had birthday donuts and either I will be on a sugar rush throughout this show, or we may just call it quits in about seven minutes. It could be a crash. We will see what happens. Uh, we have a big show for you today. Oh, and I just hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving and maybe you were off the machines a little bit and I hope you were around friends and family and I hope you ate a lot of good food and all that stuff. We ate like a ton. You know, I, I had mentioned last week, I was at my lowest weight last week in probably about 15 years. Pretty sure I no longer am. And then I started today off with donuts. So if you pray, now is the time. Not only for me, but for the state of the West, because there is a lot of weird stuff happening. But uh, despite the fact that we've been talking about some pretty depressing stuff over the last six or eight weeks, uh, there is, I would say, something, something turning at the moment. The rise of the Westerner might be uh, coming around, let's say. Uh, my friend Douglas Murray is making some sense. Uh, Connor McGregor, who you guys know, MMA fighter, he is really making some sense in England. Uh, Tommy Rob, uh, sorry, in Ireland. Tommy Robinson over in England. There are a bunch of people fighting back. Obviously, there was the election in Argentina. Now there was an election in the Netherlands. A whole bunch that we're going to talk about. There are these anti-socialist uh, protests in Spain. So maybe, just maybe, we're not going to like completely go off the cliff. Let's find out. So let's do it. Uh, okay, let's start with Douglas Murray, uh, because Douglas Murray was on a podcast with former Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, John Anderson. I've had John Anderson on the show a couple times. I saw him at the ARC Forum in London not too long ago. Uh, and they were talking about what is happening with the West as it relates to illegal immigration. Not just immigration, but illegal immigration. Letting hundreds of thousands of people into countries that do not share the values of those countries and what that will do to countries over time. And I think that most of us are realizing after the protests and the riots and the violence and the calls for genocide and everything else that we've seen for the last two months that there is, uh, let's say, a problem with this. Uh, so here is Douglas Murray. Hamas and their friends are Nazis and we'll have to get rid of them. And the Israelis are doing a very good job in the beginning of that, but everyone's going to have to join in. We cannot live with these people. We can't. Not because we don't want to, but because they cannot live with us. So why, why just hope that those people are not in large enough numbers and keep your fingers crossed and put it off for another day? I think we have to start saying very clearly, if you don't like it here, go. All right. Douglas Murray, ladies and gentlemen, nobody does it better. Nobody is cleaner or clearer or anything else. He's actually in Israel right now. I was texting him a day or two ago as they've begun to release some of these prisoners. He's been there at the children's hospital seeing some of the parents be united. I mean, there's still probably about 150 people that are still hostages. Uh, but Douglas brings up a point that I think is kind of on everyone's mind at the moment, which is as you see 
these calls for genocide on the streets of London. That's specifically what he's talking about there. Or as you see them on the streets of Brussels, or even as you see them on the streets of New York City or elsewhere, it's like, at what point does the Western defense of free speech come right up against a group of people who are here, some of them legally, but plenty of them illegally, who are gladly using our freedoms against us? And what do we do in liberal societies to make sure that over time, all of the good things about liberalism, meaning individual rights and pluralism, and the ability to live next door to somebody who maybe doesn't share the same religion or same view as you, but, but that you come together over, let's say, the idea of America, how long can that work when a whole bunch of people are here gladly uh, and proudly screaming that they're here to tear it all down? That seems like a problem. And of course, what has, uh, what has started all of this, I get, well, not really started it, but what has kind of put this in the, in the forefront of everyone's mind is what happened in Israel on October 7th. So just this morning, it's now, it's now early evening in Israel right now, but Elon Musk uh, is now in Southern Israel visiting some of uh, the, the communities that were decimated. I don't know another word for it. Uh, and here's video, we're gonna show you about 30 seconds. This is uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu uh, touring some of those communities with Elon Musk. Last night, some of them uh, returned home. Not home yet, but they uh, returned to Israel. And, uh, most of them were kidnapped from the houses over there. Is when the terrorists infiltrated into the kibbutz itself. This this is the house of Bill On his way back, he noticed several terrorists that were right over here. It's, uh, it's a symbol in the kibbutz. You have kids inside, the mothers and the fathers running around with them. But it's holding shells, specifically of a negative, uh, that was used here in order to protect the people. Okay, so I wanna just kind of clearly explain how I'm connecting these two videos, first Douglas and then to this. The idea now that we're all kind of coming around to that societies, Western societies especially, are going to have to make some hard decisions relative to the people that are in their societies. Again, some of them legally, some of them illegally, uh, comes right up against what just happened in Israel a month or was it now almost two months ago. What will Western societies tolerate? Do we tolerate not having borders and letting people come in and rape our women and kill our children and burn down whole communities and kill innocent people and all of those things and cause you know massive upheaval and take hostages and everything else? Will we tolerate that? Or will we actually be brave enough to do the right thing? Not just say we're gonna do the right thing, not just say we have principles, but actually do something in the, in the face of evil. Now there's another layer of this that I think is particularly important as it relates to Elon Musk, which is that if it was not for Elon defending free speech in this last year since he bought Twitter slash X, uh, it would be very hard to know what was going on in the world right now because Elon has opened it up so that when they show you videos of what actually happened in Israel or when you see some of the riots that are happening across Europe right now and the, and the calls for genocide and everything else, those are things that obviously would have been censored more and are being censored more on the other platforms like YouTube, like Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that Elon Musk, the number one guy really in the world right now, 
defending all of our ability to communicate freely over these pipes, over these magical wires, uh, that he is going there, uh, I think sends a real signal to people. It also sends a signal to the people who think that either, you know, the, the sort of crazy people who, whose brains have been broken by TikTok and everything else who thinks who think that Israel made all of this up or there's no evidence of it or anything else. So anyway, Douglas Murray talking about, hey, we are not gonna tolerate this. Elon Musk going to the ground zero of what is happening in the world right now to see reality. It is just the beginning of something actually turning. We'll get to that in just a second. Let me talk to you guys about Truly Office. Uh, you know, this might sound unbelievable, but the quickest way to secure your personal data is to ditch mainstream office software providers like Microsoft and Google who misuse your data without your permission and switch to a safer alternative like Truly Office software. Once you switch, you'll never look back because Truly Office software gives you peace of mind and control over your personal data. Truly Office software is secure, private, alternative to mainstream office software. It doesn't track or sell your data, giving you complete control over your personal information and getting started is a breeze. Right now they're offering a free trial of Truly Office software just for our viewers and listeners so that you can try it before you buy it. Just go to trulyoffice.com slash rumble to start your journey towards data privacy and security. Before you commit to another office software that invades your privacy, consider Truly Office software. It's the secure private alternative you've been looking for. Go to trulyoffice.com slash rumble right now and try it for free. This offer is limited, so don't miss out. And now back to me. Okay, so what else is happening in the world right now, right? We all know what's happening in England. We all know what's happening in Israel. Well, now something is really starting to burn hot in Ireland. And Ireland is not a country that we talk about that often from an American perspective. So first I wanna to read to you a tweet from a few days ago. This is Irish Prime Minister Leo Vardikar, and this is really, really wild. Check this out. He wrote, this is a day of enormous joy and relief for Emily Hand and her family. An innocent child who was lost has now been found and returned, and we breathe a sigh of, a massive sigh of relief. Our prayers have been answered. Now you might say, well, what is he talking about there and why is that so bizarre? Well, I wanna to read to you the community note that was put beneath it. Uh, readers added context that they thought people might want to know. The terms lost and found are misleading. Eight-year-old Emily was lost when she was kidnapped from a kibbutz by Hamas terrorists. She was found 50 days later when she was exchanged by Hamas for three Palestinian prisoners. So. As you can probably figure out, this, this young girl, this eight-year-old girl who has now been rescued, not found, uh, she was an Israeli, she had dual citizenship, uh, Irish and Israeli citizenship. And it's a little bizarre, excuse me, <clears throat> it's a little bizarre that the Prime Minister of Ireland, in saying, instead of saying the obvious, the obvious truth that she was kidnapped in a horrific terrorist attack and then rescued, uh, you know, rescued in a hostage exchange, um, lost and found. Now, Ireland has been one of the worst countries when it comes to the UN and voting against Israel on all of these things. Uh, that might be connected to some of this. But interestingly, and now let's get to Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, who is a, you know, basically MMA superstar, uh, he saw that as a whole bunch of other people did once it got community noted. And he wrote this. She was abducted, and of course he's Irish. She was abducted by an evil terrorist organization. What is with you and your government and your paid for media affiliates constantly downplaying 
slash attempting to repress horrific acts that happen to children. You are a disgrace. The day after a stabbing of children in Ireland, not one paper had it on their front cover. We will not forget. Now, what of course Connor is referencing, you might not have seen this if you were trying to get off the machines over the weekend, uh, but an Algerian stabbed several children in Ireland. Uh, they're trying to find out a little bit more info on that at the moment, but then average Irish people, not racist people, people who are sick of their country being overrun and their borders uh, not uh, being protected, started getting upset as one might when children are uh, stabbed or you know if it's happening in Israel, burned alive, et cetera, et cetera. We've got a headline here from NBC News. Riots erupt in Dublin after young children are stabbed. Police blamed far right agitators for starting the violence after a small group of anti-immigrant protesters arrived at the scene of the stabbing attack and clashed with police. So, okay, you guys get it. This is rinse and repeat. How does the media operate? So uh, an immigrant, this guy from Algeria, stabs these children. Then a few people show up to the place where it happened, and of course they're now far right because they're defending the children of their country, and they're the ones who got into the clash with the police. You guys get it. Now I wanna read you another tweet. This is from John Cavanaugh. He's an MMA uh, coach. I think he was, he was Connor's coach, right, for many years. He wrote, so what should happen with this demented scumbag who attacked women and kids today? few years in jail at our expense to get out and repeat, needs to be deported immediately and never allowed back or just hang him. There's no fixing him. Conor McGregor retweeted it and he wrote torture and death. So you can see there is something escalating right now. I think people in light of what happened in Israel are suddenly looking at their borders, looking at their countries, seeing people call for genocide, having Algerians stab their children, and a whole bunch of people are going, I think we have had enough. Yes, we are tolerant. Yes, we are liberal. Yes, we love diversity and all of those things. But finally, people are questioning woke politics and they are getting over this nonsense. I want to read you uh, another tweet from Conor McGregor because he's really, he's the guy's, he's been pretty red-pilled for a while, but it's like, it seems like it's happening in real time right now. He wrote, US allows non-residents to vote? Visitors can vote? I can fly in now and register a vote in the United State ele States elections? Surely not. However, Ireland's current government is proposing this, a disgrace, a shame, hang their heads in shame, hashtag for Ashling. hashtag for Ireland. He then tweeted out this, Ireland, we are at war. Now another one, I mean, the guy was really on it. And, and I, I like when decent people who are not particularly political start getting involved, right? This is how you actually bring culture back. Conor McGregor is loved by literally millions of people across the globe, even if you're not an, an MMA person. It's not, it's not really my thing, but he is loved and respected by millions of people because of his talent in that ring, right? And then sometimes push comes to shove and you better stand up for things outside of that ring, outside of your area of expertise or anything else. So here's another tweet by him. He's referencing Michael Martin, who's a minister of foreign affairs in Ireland. He wrote, what are we doing, slash what have we done to ensure this situation doesn't happen again, Michael? Since the heinous and horrific murder of an Irish citizen in broad daylight at the hands of a foreign criminal, there has been zero action response from the three parties in power. Nothing at all has been done yet. What is the holdup? 
You have answered nothing here. We need a brand new task force founded in Ireland with the sole objective of assessing and monitoring all entrants that come into Ireland. And we need, to, we need a clean sweep of those already here under false pretenses or that have broke the law here. Our country is at stake and we will tolerate nothing less. Free travel around Europe is not worth it to carry on with this current system. It is a failed system. Announce this and correct it now. Correct this or we are all finished. The straw has broken the camel's back. Your clock is ticking and let's keep going with Conor McGregor because he, he was really blowing up the Twitter. He wrote, isn't that something? Oh, so what he's referencing here, the guy that you're gonna see, let me read the tweet below first. Liberal Irish journalist who smears opponents of mass immigration as far right uh, gets sent on his bike by locals after showing up to the site of the stabbing. So the guy that you're seeing there, he's just like this local lefty kind of woke journalist who's been always going after the quote unquote far right. So now Connor was commenting on that. He wrote, isn't that something? The absolute picture of weak and feeble, the most divisive of all is the weak man. One of the most horrific crimes this nation has ever seen has occurred. We do not care anymore what you sad cases have got to say. In a war, you are nothing. We are not backing down, we are only warming up. There will be no backing down until real change is implemented for the safety of our nation. We are not losing any more of our women and children to sick and twisted people who should not even be in Ireland in the first place. Call it what you want, we do not care. May God help us all, Ireland for victory. Let's keep going with Conor McGregor on Twitter. Deplorable, we stand with Irish businesses. And of course, what he's referencing right down below is, as you know, what does the left do? What do the wokesters do? What do the uh, illegal immigrants do? And all their Antifa comrades, whenever anything happens, especially as it relates to race, they figure this is a good time to break into Foot Locker and to other stores and steal a whole bunch of stuff in the name of tolerance and diversity or something like that. Uh, and then, as all this is happening, I, remember, an Algerian, a non-Irish Algerian, and it's questionable how he got into the country in the first place. He stabs these kids. That's what starts this whole thing. Then the media starts going after the far right, who are the actual Irish people in Ireland. Uh, and what, of course, led to all of this is they are part of the European Union, the borders have been open and everybody's just wandering in. Here is video of an anti-open border protest. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In Dublin. Do those seem like bad people? Do those seem like far-right lunatics? Do you think they're all just a bunch of racists? Or do you think that maybe they're Irish people who like Ireland, right? So now let's go back to where we started at the top of the show today. What was Douglas Murray talking about? Is Douglas Murray a racist when he talks about, you know, say the UK being for British citizens and people that share their culture and their beliefs and that you can't import a whole bunch of people who would gladly burn down the whole damn thing and it doesn't make you far-right or a racist or a bigot or a 
a Nazi or a transphobe if you push these people out, right? If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. So of course, that's him talking about it in London. There's Elon in Israel. While they're going, uh, we've just had about enough with these people who break our borders and come in and rape our women and kill our children and all of those things. And now it's happening in Ireland as well. A little more detail on what's actually happening in Ireland uh, from the Daily Wire. Former UFC champion and Ireland native Conor McGregor is reportedly now under investigation for online hate speech linked to comments made on social media criticizing Irish authorities for their handling of a suspected Algerian immigrant stabbing five people, including three children last week. McGregor's comments instantly made the mixed martial artist a leading voice in Ireland as the nation deals with an influx of immigrants, which reportedly has risen to its second highest level in recent months and among the highest per capita in the European Union. Authorities reportedly have since launched an investigation into the mixed martial arts fighter as part of an inquiry into the dissemination of so-called online hate speech, according to the Sunday Times. The investigation comes as Irish officials have reportedly stated, preparing, uh, uh, sorry, have reportedly started preparing to pass radical legislation concerning the public speech law, which historically has lacked a consistent definition. Irish Prime Minister Leo Vardikar recently told local media that the lawmakers should immediately pass the legislation in the next few weeks to target individuals who post messages and images that stir up hatred and violence. Now again, again, if you just go by what the what I just read to you, six, seven tweets by Conor McGregor, was he being hateful? Was he targeting any specific person or group of people that are actually Irish people? Or he, was he saying, hey, Ireland is supposed to be a country. It's supposed to have borders and rules and a culture like every other nation. That's the point of nation states. And we can't have people here committing crime. You've already committed a crime by coming in illegally. We can't have people say stabbing our kids. That's a bit much. Uh, and now, of course, who's the bad guy? Well, it's apparently Conor McGregor and the people that support him. Here is video of Irish Prime Minister Leo Vardikar announcing uh, new laws against hatred. In addition to that, I think it's now very obvious to anyone who might have doubted it um, that our incitement hatred legislation is just not up to date. It's not up to date for the social media age. Uh, and we need that legislation through, and we need it through within a matter of weeks, um, because it's not just the platforms who have a responsibility here, and they do. Uh, there's also the individuals uh, who post messages and images online uh, that stir up hatred and violence, uh, and we need to be able to use laws to go after them individually as well. Guys, you really under need to understand how twisted and perverse this is. And I know for those of you that have watched this show for a while, like we've seen this so many times. That's why I said rinse and repeat before. But instead of outrage, instead of the Irish prime minister being angry and outraged at himself and his cabinet and everyone else who let these people in and led to this Algerian stabbing Irish children, his response is now, oh, it's those Irish people online with their memes and images who are causing all of the hate against, what his implication is, is that the hate is against these illegal immigrants, not the hate against, say, you know, the kid that the Algerian guy stabbed. But it goes further because here is Leo Vardikar, Irish Prime Minister, uh, going even further. He's very upset that I Ireland is too white, which uh, I, uh, Connor, as the whitest guy in the room and with some Irish blood, generally thought of as a white nation. Pretty, 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 pretty white, which isn't a problem. Go.
Um, one thing I strongly agree with the deputy on is the need to target, set a target to have a, a number of people from ethnic minorities in areas of the public service. We have a health service that's very diverse, although less so as you go up towards the senior positions, uh, not so much in the Gardaí, not so much in the Defence Forces, not so much in the education sector, as the deputy mentioned, not at all in the civil service, which is very white, uh, including the Department of Equality, for example. Uh, and that actually needs to change. Um, so we need to have, I think, a target for people who come from ethnic minority backgrounds, uh, but also uh, dedicated recruitment campaigns to encourage people. Because we do need uh, a generation of young people growing up in Ireland who are people of colour to see black and brown school principals, judges, Keen Corla perhaps in the future. Um, who knows? Uh, visibility uh, and opportunity is really important. Does anyone ever stop these people and say, why? Why? Like, oh, no one's saying that no black people can live in Ireland. No one's saying that no brown people can become school principals in Ireland or anything else. Ireland is 94% white. That's not a problem. Irish people are white. It's okay. They like beer and whiteness. It's fine. This is so insane, but you see what this woke ideology does, and it only goes one way, right? It only goes one way. They're importing all these Algerians, they're importing these Syrians and all these people who, again, will gladly destroy all of the beauty and Ireland. I was only in Ireland for three days when I toured with Jordan years ago. I, I would absolutely love to go back. David's family is part Irish. We, are, we, are, we, we have been planning to go back for quite some time. Like, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. Do you think all of the people that they're importing around care about that beauty, care about that culture, care about that history or any of that stuff? And why is it that there's no public official in Algeria going, you know, we're awfully black here. Can we get a couple Irish people? Connor, we're gonna send you on a fact-finding mission. We're sending Connor to Algeria. That's it, book the flight. Uh, we're <laughs> it, it's all insane. You're not gonna believe this. If you go to Japan, you know what it's filled with? Brock, can you do this one? What's Japan filled with? Black people. Japanese people, that's right. There are Japanese people in Japan. It's, it's so absolutely insane. But of course, what, what this really, about, really is about is governments putting the boot on the head of good, decent, free people. So here's a bit more. This is Ireland's Green Party. They've got a Green Party too. It's not just green for the Irish. Uh, this is Green Party Senator O'Reilly, and he's very excited because it's time to squash freedom. When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our Constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. All right, first off, you guys know I love making a correction on the fly. I called her a him. I mean, from what I can tell, it looks like a chick, but who the hell knows these days? She, she could have a wang, I don't know. Uh, but it's very exciting. She's gonna restrict freedom for the common good. Lady, lady, have you seen The Hunger Games? Might I uh, have you download, uh, say, a prequel of Star Wars? What did Palpatine do when they gave him emergency powers to protect freedom? Didn't work out well for the Jedi. Google Order 66. 
You guys get it, you guys get it. But this is happening all over the world. There are these like blips of goodness, right? And those are the things that we have to focus on. Those are the things that we have to amplify and replicate and all that. And then craziness from our government officials. So here's a blip of goodness for you. Uh, this is in London over the weekend. There was a march against anti-Semitism and apparently about 100,000 people showed up. I think we've got an image for you. It was rather extraordinary, about 100,000 people. And there are British flags and there are Israeli flags. And notice, let's look around. Do you see anyone in a mask? Anyone in a mask? Anyone for, I'm trying to look real close. Anyone calling for genocide? Are there any genocide callers there? Anyone burning down a monument? Anyone maybe cursing Winston Churchill or anyone else? No, it was just peaceful people and they were singing songs and they were talking about freedom and things of that nature. <laughs> How old school of them. Anyway, I now want to read to you a tweet from the Metropolitan Police. Uh, this occurred yesterday during uh, this rally. Check this out. Officers working as part of the policing and security operation for the march against anti-Semitism have arrested a 40-year-old man on the Strand. He refused to comply with a, dire a direction to disperse under Section 35 of Anti-Social Behavior Crime and Policing Act. Now, you might think this is odd because we've been showing you weeks and weeks of people calling for genocide, people, you know, vandalizing monuments, screaming at people, breaking windows in Jewish stores, and nobody seems to be arrested. This is not only in London, it's in New York City and elsewhere. But who could this 40-year-old man be? This is very bizarre. Well, I've got a tweet here from Ian Miles Chong. He said, uh, the London Metropolitan Police have a pre-crime mandate. Just the potential of something to cause offense is enough for them to act, but only when that something happens to be Tommy Robinson. Two-tiered policing at its finest. And now I'm gonna show you some video. This is uh, Tommy Robinson. I'll tell you a bit more about him in just a moment. Uh, being arrested at the march against anti-Semitism. Now he's, he's a white guy, he's British, uh, he has been a defender of the Jewish people, even though people call him alt-right and right-wing right, right -wing maniac and all that. I interviewed him. He was one of the first guys I interviewed on the Rubin Report back in, I think, 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Here he is being, uh, even though he is a supporter of Israel and the Jews, in London doing nothing uh, illegal. They arrested him while he was having breakfast. They literally came up to the restaurant. He was waiting for his breakfast to be uh, delivered to the table. Uh, here they are arresting him at the rally. Okay, to be clear, he did not do anything. He showed up at that rally to peacefully, uh, you could say, celebrate with those people, to talk about freedom and a defense of not only Israel, but obviously of the UK and London specifically and everything else. They So I like what Ian wrote there, that this is pre-crime. Did you guys see Minority Report? Like we're starting to enter pre-crime. What was the line there that they said? Can you go back on the on the prompter for just a second? What was the specific line in uh, that they arrested him for? Um, under section 35, there it is. Section 35 of the Anti-Social Behavior Crime and Policing Act. Anti-social behavior. I mean, that literally he was there having breakfast to, to protest peacefully with those people. Now, how about we do a little compare and contrast? Could we do that? Let's juxtapose some stuff. Here's a, a video. I think we showed you this one. We have so many of them. Uh, here's a bunch of people screaming crazy lunacy on the streets of London just over the past couple of weeks. Free Palestine! Free 
It was terrifying. The boys had to be rescued by the police as bottles and eggs rained down on them. Mohammed Hijab then threatened a police officer that he'd kill the boy's dog if he saw it again. However, when, the, when those Zionists came in with their dogs, that was, an, that, that was an act of provocation. So what we're saying now, and I'm making it very clear so everyone understands, if those dogs come close to us again, we will see it as an act of aggression and we will kill those dogs, we will put them down. I think we all know who the good guys and bad guys are here. There's a slim layer of people who are confused about some of this stuff, and then there's a layer who use the people who are confused for all of the wrong reasons. Uh, but of course, nobody has been arrested at any of these things. The guy threatening to kill the dog, the people calling for genocide, they're throwing eggs at the cops, they're breaking windows, they're vandalizing monuments. Nobody gets arrested there. Then one British citizen shows up to have breakfast at the March Against Anti-Semitism and he's the bad guy. Well, where else is this happening? We've been through London. We were in Israel earlier with Elon Musk. Uh, we've been to Ireland. Bunch of weirdness happening all over the place. Well, guess what, guys? Of course, it's also happening here in America. Uh, here is a pro, they call it a pro-Palestine rally, but it's a pro-Hamas rally as protesters illegally occupied the Manhattan Bridge in New York. This is just yesterday. First off, I want to make just like a, a little clerical point on the idea of free speech. When, when you see the march against anti-Semitism in London, uh, they got permits to do that, right? So the police come in, they set up other ways for people to drive and things of that nature. They weren't stopping anyone from getting anywhere. We, we can have an, and I think it's worth having an interesting discussion. How will Western civilization survive just like having protests and counter protests all the time? But if you go through the proper channels to have your protest and do it and do it peacefully, then, th then that is you exercising your free speech, right? Especially on, on public property, uh, as opposed to going to someone's house and doing it. Then, then, then there's a, private property issue. Uh, what these people were doing at the Manhattan Bridge, they just decided to take over the Manhattan Bridge. They didn't care whether there were ambulances that had to get through or if people had to get work to work or if somebody had to get uh, to a babysitting job or whatever it might be. They also chant the usual nonsense about genocide. There is no genocide in Gaza. For as many people that have been killed in Gaza, the, the Palestinian population, we've been through this a million times already, has basically 5 x since 1948, right? It was about a million people. Now it's about 5 million people, something like that. There is a war. They are still firing rockets into Israel. There's a war and people do die in war. And generally in a war, you want to kill more of the people that are trying to kill you than the amount of you that will uh, be killed by them. That's generally how war is going on. Anyway, uh, all of this is happening to the backdrop of us realizing that we have a problem at our border. So now check this out. This is video just from this weekend at our southern border. Take a look. Arizona, so that's Arizona. Now, interestingly, Connor, my director, who I mentioned earlier, very, very white, no offense. Um, he celebrated, he's from Arizona and celebrated Thanksgiving in Arizona. Now, you're, I assume all of your family or most of your family is white? Pretty much white? Did you invite any of those people? They, they were mostly black and brown. 
So you invited none of, they're walking into your state, you invite none of them into the home to share the, the potatoes, the stuffing, the tur maybe he is racist. We'll find out when we send him to Algeria. Okay, so that's happening, that's what's happening in Arizona right now. And do you think it's possible? And it's not because of their skin color, but it's because of the ideas that are in their brain. The wrong ideas. Do you think it's possible that some of those people may not love everybody in Arizona? That if Connor's family was to invite them over for Thanksgiving, your mom's gonna hate me after this show. <laughs> She's a big fan. <laughs> love ya, love ya. Um, if she invited them over for Thanksgiving, you think it's possible they, they might not be thrilled with all the freedoms of America or they might be looking around going, look at all these white people. Oh, I want that thing. But we're letting it happen. We are letting it happen. The enemy is here and we are letting it happen. But people in Ireland are realizing it. People in London are realizing it. People in America are realizing it. People in Argentina are realizing it. People in Spain are realizing it. So again, something is starting to turn here. But every, you know this, every time we start getting some wins, every time people start waking up, every time it feels like, oh, we're grasping something and we're gonna be able to do something a little different this time, what happens? Well, the government or the powers that be, they come in with more stupidity. So here is Ariti Prabhakar. I think I got her name right. Uh, she is the, what, what is she? She is the, Joe Biden's uh, advisor on science and technology. And she has a uh, very robust, you'll see a very robust defense because Joe Biden, who's 80 some odd years old, who has dementia, who can't string two sentences together, apparently he's also signing executive orders as to what we're gonna do with AI. So a man who has very little eye in his own brain, intelligence, you got it, uh, is now signing executive orders that we're gonna be able to stop the supercomputers uh, from taking over. I somehow doubt it, but anyway, you'll see how we're connecting this thing because of course, yes, equity, civil rights, blah, 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 go. Hi, I'm Arathi Prabhakar. I'm the president's chief advisor on science and technology. Artificial intelligence is one of the most consequential technologies of our time. And President Biden's been clear we have to manage AI's risks so that we can seize its benefits. This technology is moving fast and so is the Biden-Harris administration. The president just issued a broad executive order on AI and it starts by tackling AI's risks. It sets up a framework so that you can know how safe an AI model is. It kicks off work to identify AI-generated content so that you know when you're interacting with AI and it has a whole host of provisions that will protect equity and civil rights and privacy and democracy. We're doing all of this to mitigate risks so that we can put AI to work to meet our great aspirations as a country. AI is helping us to fight climate change, to improve health outcomes, and to bolster security and safety around the world. Oh, AI is helping us fight climate change. Oh, for fuck. Sorry, haven't been in studio in a couple of days. Um, look, look, AI, there is a lot of stuff to talk about with AI. We will do more shows on AI. AI basically is the computers becoming sentient, right? Like this is what every science fiction movie is about, right? From, from the movie AI, right? Remember the movie AI or from iRobot. You could look at virtually every sci-fi, any Philip K. Dick book. Um, the idea that the machines, Terminator, the machines will no longer need us. Uh, need us. Skynet will turn on, right? That's what happens in Terminator. And it realizes the humans are now the enemy. That's also what happened in iRobot. Uh, Will Smith movie's not great, but the book was pretty good. Uh, Isaac Asimov. Um, there are things to talk about related to how do we deal with this uncanny valley that we are entering right now that perhaps we're in. And how do we manage some of this stuff? And maybe the robots will not need us anymore. Try the Matrix, right? All, all of the stuff. 
You guys get all that. But if you think that these incompetent, bumbling buffoons led by a man with dementia can put together a framework that's going to make AI safer for anybody, and then on top of the fact, even if they could, what did she say they're gonna do? Well, they're gonna handle equity. So AI, that means the robots, the machines, the programs, the algorithms are somehow going to push equity into our society. And of course, what is equity? Equity is institutionalized racism. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got a whole bunch of white people doing good over there. We better take them down and make sure black people are doing better. That is known as discrimination, children. You got it, guys. You got it. But somehow the AI is going to take care of equity, civil rights, climate change, and a whole host of other things. But don't worry. Don't worry, guys, because not only are they going to do that, but then we have other great leaders like Governor Kathy Hochul up in New York. And what she focused on, well, much like the Irish Prime Minister, she's focused on what you're saying, because if you keep saying those mean things, then something bad might happen. Today I'm directing the Director of Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services to develop media literacy tools for K through 12 in our public schools. This will teach students and even teachers to help understand how to spot conspiracy theories and misinformation, disinformation, and online hate. Start talking about what we're seeing out there. Give the teachers the tools they need to help these conversations in school. And by teaching younger New Yorkers about how to discern between digital fact and digital fiction, we can better inoculate them from hatred and the spread of it and help prepare them for a very fast moving and often confusing world. I want to be clear, lady. I hate you and there's no inoculation for that. She's going to inoculate young people from hatred. That, that sounds doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like a shot. Maybe like Big Pharma could come up with some sort of thing that they occasionally jab you with. And then, you know, who knows what else it's going to do to you. Next thing you know, you got it. All right. So what is, what is she doing, though? Of course, they're going to stop conspiracy theories. They're going to stop misinformation and disinformation. These are the very same people who told you that social distancing made sense, who told you that being locked down in your house made sense, who told you the jabs work who told you that Donald Trump was a Russian plant, who told you that Brett Kavanaugh was a serial rapist, who told you that the Covington kids were racist, who told you that Jesse Smollett was, was gonna be lynched. Oh, they've lied about everything. And now they have AI and the tools and the framework to keep you safe from other such things that they've lied about. It's really rather extraordinary. Uh, but as you guys know, I to end the show on a positive note. We've got a couple more clips for you. Uh, and as I've tried to do today, there's bad stuff happening and there's good people stepping up against it, right? There are people realizing, whether it's Douglas Murray, who's been warning about this stuff for years in the UK. He wrote a book. I highly recommend you watch it or at least or that you read it or at least watch my interview with Douglas from about seven years ago, probably. He wrote a book called The Strange Death of Europe. It's a spectacular book that predicted all of this. Some people have a pretty good track record when it comes to all of this. So whether it's Douglas Murray in the UK or it's Elon seeing what's going on in Israel or it's Conor McGregor you know, fighting for an Ireland that he loves, that, that most Irish people love, whether it's any of those things or the, the people that, whether it's Tommy Robinson fighting for a, a London that he loves, um, well, now we need some other people to step up and, some, and we need a political class that will step up. And guess what? There are places on earth 
where that is happening. So now I want to go to Hungary. And as you remember, we were in Hungary about six months ago, uh, and I got to meet Viktor Orban. We, it was not on camera, but we spent about a half hour together, and now I'm going to do my Viktor Orban impression, which mostly sounds like Dracula. But Viktor Orban, we stood on the, uh, the edge, we were at the palace over there and we're standing, it was a beautiful day and we're on the Danube and he, and he said, look, I like Hungary. I just like Hungary people. I want to keep the country for Hungary. That's my Victor Orban, okay? And that's it. He, I don't, it has nothing to do with black people. I'm, I'm editorializing now, but like he just likes Hungary and he wants borders for Hungary and he wants Hungarians to flourish. And that seems to be what's happening there. Uh, so here is Victor Orban talking about why he uh, cares about Hungary and what he's gonna do about uh, keeping it hungry. A migránsok nem csak azért nem jönnek Magyarországra, tisztelt hallgatóim, mert a határnál egy óriási kerítésen megfogjuk őket. Csak ebben az évben 270 ezer illegális határátlépés kísérletet akadályoztak meg a határőreink. 270 ezer. De azért, ez az egyik ok. De azért se jönnek, mert ha valahol szeretnének lenni, az nem Magyarország, mert a magyar törvények szerint egy Magyarországra érkező migráns csak azt kaphatja meg szociálisan, amit egy magyar állampolgár. És miután minden munkához van kötve, ezért a vonzerünk ebben a körben inkább limitáltnak mondható. A második, a második, a munkaalapú gazdaság után a második pillére ennek a magyar modellnek, hogy migráció helyett, családpolitikával akarjuk kezelni a demográfiai kihívásokat. Ezekről most nem akarok beszélni, ez egy önálló külön konferencia témája. Magyarországon értünk el családpolitikai fordulatot, de nem értünk el demográfiai fordulatot. Ez egy nagy kérdése a jövőnek, hogy vajon sikerül-e nekünk minden erőnket erre fordítva a GDP-ből a legtöbbet Magyarországon költjük családpolitikára egész Európában. Sikerül-e önerőből fönntartani a populációnkat, vagy, vagy sem? Ez a következő I don't think my impersonation of him is so bad. Now that was a completely different one, but the point is, you get it. Does he seem like a dick? Does he seem like a racist and someone that hates anybody? Or does he seem like someone that just cares about his country? Hey, we have borders. We have problems here. We want to make sure our social services aren't strained, that our economy isn't strained. Uh, we have demographic issues, and what we want to do is create policies as a government that will encourage people to have families and more kids and build more structures, bottom up, so we can build a thriving society. Like, that's so obviously true, it's ridiculous. And isn't it also interesting when you hear someone, and I, I talk about this all the time, right? Like when you hear someone telling the truth, they don't have to scream about everything, their arms aren't waving, they're not doing the AOC or the Rashida Tlaib or the Hitler, right? It's a lot of genuflecting and screaming or whatever. He's just calmly saying, he, hey, it's hungry. I like hungry. You like hungry, we're gonna remain hungry. How about that? Uh, and guys, this wave now, this thing that's happening, for all of the bad news that's out there, and there is bad news, this freedom wave is now happening in Argentina, right? We saw the election last week. It's happening in Spain. They are having massive anti-socialist protests, hundreds of thousands of people. We showed you clips of that last week as well. It's now happening in Ireland, right? It's happening in Israel. The left has been basically annihilated in Israel. They, the left, which for years said, we want peace with these people. And they said, we're, we're here to kill all of you. And they said, we'd like to have peace with you. Well, now even they are waking up in America, right? And it's a little trickier here in America because we have this pres presidential election coming and we'll have to figure out what goes on there. But like there are good people waking up here. There are good people waking up in Hungary. There are good people waking up in France, even in Canada. 
And guess what? Now another country that had elections last week, the Netherlands. So the Netherlands just elected uh, Girl, Gert Wilders. Uh, he, he got 35 seats in the parliament, which means he will create the next government. So he will be the next prime minister. He has been, he, this guy's been, you've probably seen videos of him for the last probably two decades. He has been one of the most anti-immigrant, anti-radical Islam politicians in the, well, in all of Europe, but certainly uh, in, Amps, in Holland. Uh, and he is now going to be the next prime minister of the Netherlands. Take a look. With his aggressive anti-immigration and anti-Islam rhetoric, Hert Wilders is set to shake up Dutch politics. The veteran firebrand placed anti-Islam policies at the core of his party, PVV, founded in 2004. Wilders has since vowed to stop a, quote, Islamic invasion, has held competitions for cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad, and has been convicted for insulting Moroccans. Brussels wants to inundate us with third world immigrants, mostly from Islamic countries. It wants to distribute these immigrants all over the European Union. And that, my friends, will be a disaster. A ban on mosques, Islamic schools, Korans and headscarves from government buildings are among the proposals on his PVV manifesto. But he sought to tone down his anti-Islamic rhetoric in the run-up to the election. Immigration was a key theme of the campaign, after the previous government collapsed in a disagreement over asylum rules, with Wilders taking a hard-line stance. The PVV has pledged to deport illegal immigrants and proposes a freeze on asylum. The hope is that people get their country back, that we make sure that the Netherlands is for the Dutch again that we will limit the asylum tsunami and migration. A self-proclaimed fan of Hungary's Viktor Orban, Wilders is a staunch Eurosceptic and wants to hold a binding referendum to leave the EU. He has called for the Netherlands to significantly reduce its payments to Brussels and to block the entrance of any new members. Unlike many other European leaders, Wilders wants to stop arming Ukraine saying the Netherlands needs the weapons to defend itself. You know, it's funny, before I get to any of the substantive stuff, doesn't he look like if Matt Gates and Donald Trump had a baby, it would be that guy, like the hair, the body, the whole thing. Anyway, look, do you think he just became prime minister because he's racist, because ultimately the people of the Netherlands are racist, or is it because they have also been overrun and they are dealing with the same stuff that you're seeing out of London and New York City and Paris and elsewhere, and they want borders, and that the European Union has been an abject failure, and that they have had enough with people coming into their country who don't care about their country or would gladly upend their country, and they would like their country back. How crazy would that be if the Netherlands was for the Dutch? By the way, the Netherlands, the Dutch, same people, all the same. Holland, the Netherlands, the Dutch. I know it's confusing for people, all the same people. It's as simple as that, guys. It really is as simple as that. And of course, he will be called far right, and Tommy Robinson will be called far right, and Douglas Murray will be called far right, and Conor McGregor will be called far right, and I'll be called far right, and you'll be called far right. And if we are all far right, then I suspect that the center is now the right. And that is the thing that probably will save the West. And if it doesn't work, then do you know what will be what will happen on the other side as our societies really start to crumble, as sectarian violence really starts to break out in all of the West and everything else? Then some really bad people 
will become the leaders of these countries. And then some really bad things will happen. And you know what will happen then? Good people, ordinary men, will start doing some really bad things. Now, one more for you. Uh, this is Jordan Peterson on how ordinary, decent Germans became genocidal Nazis. Many, 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 many of the people, not all, many of the people who were involved in the Nazi atrocities were perfectly ordinary people. They were just like you. And you think, no, I wouldn't do that. It's like, that's not what the evidence suggests. The evidence suggests that the vast majority of people in Nazi Germany went along with it. Now, not all of them were dragged into the abyss itself, but plenty were. And if you think you wouldn't have been one of them, that just means it's highly likely that you would have, because you have no idea what you're capable of. There's a great book about that. It's a terrifying book called Ordinary Men. And it's about the initiation of a police battalion from Germany who went to Poland after the Germans marched into Poland. Now, these were ordinary men. They were policemen, middle-aged, who had grown up before the Nazi propaganda mill got going. Okay, so they weren't indoctrinated Nazis from like the time they were four. They're just ordinary middle-class guys. Plus, their commander told them in Poland when they were starting to do military work, even though they were civilian policemen, that they could go home, that they didn't have to do this job, and that there would be no repercussions. And in fact, out of the battalion, a number of men right at the beginning said, I'm not doing this, and they went home. Mo the vast majority went along. Now, the guys that left thought, I don't care, I'm not doing this, but most people didn't. And part of the reason they didn't do it is because they were loyal to their, to their peers. By the end of this, which took months, these guys were taking na naked pregnant women out into the middle of fields and shooting them in the back of the head. You get the point? I think you get the point, right? If all of the people who right now are trying to stand up for their nations, let the Netherlands be for the Dutch, let Ireland be for the Irish, let America be for Americans. And by the way, that's a little more complex because we are a melting pot. But we do have a culture worth defending and we have laws worth defending and a founding worth defending and all of those things. If we will not allow those things to happen, what will come on the other side are much worse people who will do unspeakable things. And then good people that we all know will also do unspeakable things for the very reasons that Jordan just laid out, right? I've mentioned it a couple of times over the years that when Jordan and I used to tour, he would ask often, we did, you know, a hundred some odd shows, and I'd say he did it probably 30, 40 times. How many of you here in front of five, 6,000 people, how many of you here would have been a Nazi? And of course, nobody applauds, nobody raises their hand. And as he just laid out in that clip, that means you probably would have been. Because these people were not all in completely indoctrinated four-year-olds. So, you know, that, that grew up with all the wrong ideas and then said, okay, let's kill all these people, right? But then one day they're shooting pregnant women out in the field. It's because over time, if you are pushed far enough and then the wrong ideas come in and then society starts turning and no one else is good around and then you don't want to be on the wrong side of being shot too, humans can do horrible things to each other. So I think the West has, has a kind of interesting moment right now. We can choose which way we want to go. I think you know which way I want to go. Which way do you want to go? Well... We'll discuss this more in our post-game show at rubenreport.locals.com in about 30 seconds. Uh, reminder, we did create a second account on Twitter. If you are on the Twitter, it's at Ruben Report Show. That's where all the clips of the show are gonna go up. Oh, and 
uh, over, well, it wasn't over the weekend. We aired it yesterday, but a few days ago, uh, right before Thanksgiving, I interviewed uh, former U.S. ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, who I also interviewed when we were in Israel about six or seven months ago, uh, who is just, uh, he's just, we've become good friends. He's just an absolutely wonderful, decent human being. Uh, he was here in Florida for a couple days, uh, helping out with some with some outreach for Israel, and then he's going back. I think he might even be back there now. Um, and uh, and we sat down right in here, and we chatted for about an hour. It was really it was really something. And I have to say the the uh, the contrast of you know six months ago being in Israel in Jerusalem with him, talking about how peaceful it was, versus then having him here in Florida in my home in light of what has happened was was a bit jarring. But it, it's really wonderful. Uh, you can check that out. It's up on Rumble and YouTube and Locals and everywhere else. Uh, it is me Monday. Do we have the meme for today? We have my meme for today. Bay Area car owners have been deliberately leaving their trunks open in an effort to avoid forced entry by thieves. They're really building a utopian society over there. Of course, that's uh, Mr. Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, if you want to join us for me, Monday, RubenReport.Locals.com. Postgame show in just a second. Oh, and we leave you with Conor McGregor. He was, the, he was the man of the hour on this fine show. We wish Phoenix a happy birthday, and we will see you later. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double tap does what the f he wants. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.